GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand. Election 2023 debate on Radio Gibraltar. Yes, our GBC election coverage continues. Today we debate the environment. We'll cover a range of talking points from air quality, traffic, fishing, our coastline and more. I'm joined in the studio by GSOP Liberal Alliance candidate John Gordes and the GSD's Daniela Tilbury. So we have drawn names to, to determine who starts first, and it's Miss Tilbury. So first question, how would your party ensure a green Gibraltar? What would be given priority? Thanks. Uh, good question. Uh, we're quite clear on our priorities and, and what needs to be done. We definitely don't need too much more legislation. We don't need many more reviews. What we need to do is start implementing them. Uh, and we need implementation to be coordinated and effective, you know. And our priorities clearly lie on establishing that sewage treatment plant that's been promised for years, uh, addressing those air quality issues that are having impact on young lungs particularly, but also on broader, broader health concerns, stopping the commercial fishing uh, from ransacking a marine environment, and climate change. And I do have hope... Uh, I'll have an opportunity to expand on those. But to end, I think what we need to do primarily is lead by example. So we believe that, you know, the, the a GSD government would first of all invest in ensuring that our procurement strategies are truly green, that the buildings that our public servants, servants inhabit, that they work from, are actually also abiding by the latest um, green uh, processes and procedures, and that we also decongest our, our cities. Those are our key priorities. Yeah, we us. will have time during this hour for you to divulge a little bit more in detail about how you plan on implementing uh, these promises. Uh, Mr Gordes, four years ago, your party promised a green Gibraltar. Do you feel like you've delivered on that promise? I think it's a much greener Gibraltar, but we mustn't forget that for two years we weren't able to do much. Uh, we were dedicating ourselves to protecting ourselves from uh, a pandemic. Uh, and therefore, we've said very clearly that we would have loved to have done a lot more, and I clearly would have done to would love to have done a lot more. Nevertheless, I think we have made a lot of progress. Um, I, I, I note Daniela's aims. Um, she seems to have been reading our manifesto because a lot of those weren't at all clear in 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 the GSD manifesto. Um, but I think it's important that I should reiterate that our priority is clearly a sewage plant. There have been all sorts of reasons out of our control. We haven't got that yet, but that is now well on course to, to be achieved. I think that our success in creating more and wonderful green areas which have such a positive effect on quality of life, on, on, on air temperatures, on, on air quality, on, on the recreation facilities that they provide, I think we will in continue to increase green areas, a lot more on biodiversity. Um, but but I, I also note Daniela's comment on, on uh, no reviews. We've done all our reviews. Um, we've got our climate change strategy. Our 25-year plan is ready for publication. We're committed to do it within the next three months. Um, but, but she does comment on coordination. And, and it's interesting because one of the instruments that we set up to ensure coordination between, between all the different uh, natural assets, which is the Gibraltar National Park, didn't get the support of the GSD in Parliament. And in fact, they said that they would revoke the Act if they got into office. So, so I, I'm not sure whether the fact that Daniela's come in very late 
in the day may uh, may may mean that she wasn't completely aware of that. But but I do think there are some inconsistencies. But I think we've got to look to the future. I think that we really know where we've got to go. We've got a good track record of delivery. We've changed Gibraltar completely. We do have a lot to get through in these years. thirty-five um, minutes. Okay. So uh, let's see if we can get into the nitty-gritty of some there. of those you. topics. Uh, you, you mentioned those green areas in Gibraltar. There were some that haven't been delivered. Uh, Glasses, Grand Parade, mm. uh, two other parks on Queensway. Uh, these have not materialised. So will these become? Oh, in fact, also the Northern Defences Adventure Park. So will these become? priorities if you were to be re-elected? Yes, they are, except for the one in Glasses, which is now Possibilities, which is something that we didn't envisage at the time. It's a wonderful facility for for, for a lot of uh, particularly young people. Um, but all the others are uh, planned. The, the two in Queensway, which will be a continuation of Commonwealth and Campion Park. Grand Parade also. Um, and other green areas that we want to protect in law. There are other patches of green areas here and there that aren't covered by the Nature Protection Act and we want to include protection to them. You're absolutely, uh, I'm completely, I've myself been responsible for planting over 500 trees in Gibraltar and I don't intend to stop if the May people I give me a chance. May I come in on that? Because I think it's important to note that it's not just about time or resources, although I appreciate that, the, you know, that however well-intentioned the, the minister has been or acting minister has been on this, I suspect the overspend and the mismanagement of the economy has meant that they had to pull out some of those pretty pictures from the manifesto, the previous manifesto, and not being able to deliver. But there's things like establishing an air quality commission. That doesn't that doesn't require uh, resources. And that's something does that does not? Does not require much, much resources is something that could have been done pretty quickly and that was a manifesto commitment from their green Gibraltar, the 2019 or oh, I recall actually, in fact I recall His Excellency the Governor at the time in the opening of Parliament straight after the election that said that his GSLP Liberal Government Alliance would pass a Wellbeing and Future Generations Act, which was quite prominent in the manifesto, that didn't happen it also mentioned about small businesses and having to transition and working with small businesses to transition to sustainability or the establishment of the Queensway Green Lung. I mean, the, there was such an exhaustive list of commitments made in the Green Gibraltar uh, manifesto. And, and I know they're well-intentioned, but, but the reality is that they, they have not come about. And I think it's important to recognise that because they're making a new set of pledges now in their new manifesto, which is terrific again. But, you know, do we yeah, trust you on some delivery? Like to respond some to that? At least yeah. we're making pledges, but unfortunately the, the GSD environment section in the manifesto is, is, is very, very poor. And I'm just hoping that Daniela didn't have a lot to do with it, because if she did, clearly she doesn't have the sway that, that, that she possibly uh, thinks she, she should have. Um, the Air Quality Commission is not resource-free, if it's going to be serious and resource. That would have been led by the Director of Public Health, who spent two years... Uh, doing something else, um, and by the public health department that that spent two years doing something you mentioned, else. You but mentioned the Queensway Green Line is something that is clearly something that could not be afforded, and it is because of the money we spent in keeping plates on tables during the COVID pandemic. So I'm not going to be distracted. You mentioned by COVID. That. If we can just get through, we have a lot to get through. Mm -hmm. um, in 2020, you introduced changes to traffic along Limewell Road. First, a full closure of the arterial road in May 2020. Two weeks later, a partial closure, which uh, was on Saturday. Saturdays, Sundays and Mondays. And then in November, you reversed your plans, allowing traffic to flow in both directions. Mm -hmm. So is your party actually committed to making real and lasting change? I think we've seen that that we are. I mean, the Langwall Road one was something that, that didn't seem to work. I have my own views on that. Um, but there's nothing what wrong. What are your views uh, on that? There's nothing, there's nothing wrong in, in uh, what, changing one's mind. If, if one thinks that 
that is going to be counterproductive and perhaps get people uh, against the uh, the kind of criteria and the initiatives that you, you want to take. But we are clearly uh, committed on traffic as well. Um, we know, and that's something that, again, the GSD manifesto doesn't have a lot on about it. In fact, it seems to attack the concept of, of, of uh, cycling and uh, encouraging a not. decrease in the use of vehicles. It does not. It um, does not. So, so, and, and perhaps... Uh, it's interesting that Danielle, in one of her opening statements, said that we don't need more legislation. Mr. Tilbury, would you like to did, respond to that? The first yes, thing she I did is say that, that we um, haven't passed one. We could allow Ms. Tilbury the, to the, have the key, her, her chance to reply. The key, the key issue with this is that Mr. Balban was a lone voice, again, well-intentioned, but but you know, I've already spoken about the fact that it's great to have an action, uh, an active travel. Plan, regardless of the fact that it cost us almost half a million, uh, and and the implementation has also been quite costly. But despite that, I think the intentions are good. It's again about implementation, and that you have to connect. You have to connect plans right across environment. Well, the GST does talk about having a long-term coherent plan for development. Would the GST pause the DPC approval process to allow for this plan to be prepared? Uh, I think we can do it in conjunction with the DPC. Do you think it would be possible to manage the existing applications that need to be considered with the time necessary to develop a long-term plan of this nature? How would that be possible? Yes, I think it would be possible. I think that's a really good question in terms of how we transition our vision and have enough time to ensure that people can actually shape these future plans because they're going to be important to the future of our community. And you're right in saying that, you know, we do have an arm that that actually does the approval processes and that they need to be aware of this. But the fact that hasn't been done before means that we find ourselves in this situation. So how would it work? How long would it take? If I may, so what what we need to do is reduce the burden, (laughs) reduce the burden on DPC by taking them away from the the little aspects that they do, such as changing Um, windows, look at doorways and small extensions, uh, um, and focus them on some of the bigger bigger issues. This is yet another example in that the GSD manifesto actually supports us in a lot of ways because they actually say they're going to do things that we are already doing. The the question of of looking at the smaller issues uh, separately is already done. Uh, Major developments are already required to to give us public uh, gain, including biodiversity gain. And and one of the things that really, really worries me uh, regarding planning is the way that they are claiming that they're going to make it more democratic, even though we are the ones who made it democratic, made it public, put in more NGOs. and, and, And they are saying that ministers should not be part of the DPC, which to me seems that they want to make it, in their view, more democratic. I think it's, it already is because we all speak our mind and there's no three-line whip on it. But yet at the same time, they are saying in their manifesto that they're going to include a statutory power for the chief minister to do away with whatever DPC says, DPC says if he considers it in the public interest. I but, think that but, is very, very John, dangerous. John. And I think that shows that it's not going in the direction that they would like the electorate to think it's going to go. It's, it's the very opposite of what they say. John, John, John you can have that your already say. happens. And you, A, you're misreading what oh, we're no, saying, but B, already happens. You have a, a system of appeals where the minister and one other person decides whether things are appealed or not. That's not and true. It is, it is the case. And Daniela, so we I've are been in looking, DPC we are longer looking, than anybody else. That is are, not the way it goes. I, you're I know wrong. because you're I've mistaken. been through a process and I have seen it happen. So what, what, no, we're, needing, what we're needing is greater transparency here. We need, we need to smooth processes with DPC. The DPC needs some overarching documents that guides the way that they're making decisions. We need face-to-face 
DPC so that we can have some public engagement, that we can hear and see people who are objecting face to face so that we can understand their concerns and in, 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 in making an informed decision. So it needs to be more independent, less cumbersome and bring back face one of the issues that has been discussed by the fact that they are saying that the chief minister would be given a statutory power to object and freeze applications that are approved by the DPC. That does not happen. A lot of what Daniela has described already happens. The question of face-to-face is something that we are certainly willing to consider. Let's move on to that. The face-to-face matter. Uh, Meetings have been virtual since the pandemic and it's remained that way since. Are you satisfied with how that's going? I think it works well. I think people can watch it. Despite the technical glitches, for example, in the last meeting in September, I believe there was quite yeah, but, but everybody can see it. Can, uh, DPC could, meetings... Could they- DPC meetings in person were attended by very, very few people. Nobody could see it. Look, before we came into office, and I don't want to go go back in time, DPC meetings were secret. There were no agendas. I actually had to walk out of one because I protested at the way that the GSD minister was dealing with it. What about now in terms of the rewatchability, for example? Unless you watched it online, you can't watch it back. everybody, Everybody can sit down and watch it in... The Macintosh Live, live mm-hmm. in, uh, and it is going to uh, in, in future be available to to see online afterwards. Actually, but earlier this summer, when asked by earlier this summer, when asked by GBC if the public would be given the chance to watch the sessions on demand, the government said there was no need, and those interested exactly. could check the minutes but of we, the meetings, which are yeah. available online. And now, weeks later, in your we, manifesto, uh, you said that you would be looking into the possibility of providing a rewatch feature. So, exactly. so which is it? We we are committed to doing so. We've had meetings with some of the NGOs very recently, uh, and NGOs are key to the whole environment process, are absolutely key, and our relationship with the NGOs is excellent. I, I don't know how much Daniela engaged with NGOs during her time uh, working either in the university or, or, or elsewhere, but the NGOs are, are vital. We've had discussions with them and we are committed to that. Let's move on to bunkering just before mm. uh, we have to go into our news break. A very big topic in Gibraltar. Ms Tilbury, what's your party's view on the future of bunkering in Gibraltar? I think we all recognise that fossil fuels are coming to an end, whether it be this de- decade or, or a little bit later. I mean, the G8, the, this is not environmentalists speaking. We're talking about the world economies recognising that, that you know it's going to be increasingly hard and unacceptable to access fossil fuels. So bunkering is a, is a key pillar of our economy and we need to transition it out from so fossil So how do you fuels. plan to diversify the economy and move away from so, an unsustainable industry like this one? So, so the industry itself needs to evolve. So first of all, we need to very quickly, straight away, adopt better practices in bunkering. Uh, and, and I know that the Port of Aberdeen, for example, has a very latest um, ways in which that, that can be done and we can look at ways in which they adopt them locally. But then we need to transition to green energy and we look, need to look at ways in which we, um, uh, the bunkering itself, the, the, the fuels that are being bunkered are actually less, contain less sulphur, they're cleaner. Um, you know, LNG is a possibility as we transition forward. And of course, we have an LNG plant already established. We can't get away from that. So there is opportunities there to deep into that and then eventually transition bunkering out into cleaner fuels. It has According to, be done. to statistics from the climate change strategy, bunker fuels account for 80 80- Four percent of the rock's carbon impact. That's over three point five million tons of emissions. Mr. Cortes, are you satisfied with these kinds of figures? Well, clearly, bunkering is a huge contributor internationally to to uh, carbon. 
Um, and I don't disagree with what Daniela has said. This is exactly what we intend to do. In fact, we're already working with industry and the local bank companies are taking huge initiatives internationally. A lot of them spread far beyond Gibraltar. Um, so absolutely, cleaner fuels. LNG is already happening, and I think we need to, provided it's, it's safely assessed, we need to continue that. Hydrogen is another option uh, across the range of fuels. But I think we have to remember that we have to do it sensitively. Um, the world is transitioning, and clearly fossil fuels are going to come to an end. Um, but we must remember that about 2,000 jobs depend on the port, so we have to do it uh, sensibly. We have to make sure that we don't just push uh, bunkering from Gibraltar across the bay or across the Straits while well, the Sirius or Ceuta so that so they make the money and we cannot the invest that as money well. into environmental projects. Mm-hmm. Um, so clearly we are absolutely convinced that we need to but transition. So it's have, absolutely the same the same point. I, I have no I, I agree on I agree on, on needing to, to, to deal with this very sensitively. But we have to accept that ninety percent of our carbon footprint is from bunkering. Absolutely and I it's totally not, accept it's not it. we totally can we have it. to decarbonize our uh, economy. Yeah. Uh, yes of we course need, we do we need to be looking at that and we also need to considering uh, consider the impacts of bunkering may be contributing in terms of health impacts locally. Yes, and we will touch on that later in the programme. We're going to have to head into a news break now, but there's still plenty to discuss. We agree on this one. One final word? No, no, in we, agreement. We agree. We have to. We have to change it, and we will as soon as we possible. Know, yeah, absolutely. The we know, issue is, we is know what we have to do. We don't have We'd, to do a review in order to. We'll see if we can continue it. with those agreements in part two of the <laughs> discussion. So, Ms. Tilbury, I don't believe there's an official record of oil spills in Gibraltar waters, but just looking back at some of our more recent significant spills, AM Ghent in 2021, the OS35 in August 22, latest, uh, the latest one in July, the Gas Venus. Now, the Nautilus Project, the NGO, says the effects on Gibraltar's ecosystem could be felt for up to the next 10 years. What measures should be in place to minimise this risk? That's a good question. And I think that what we need to do is strengthen our oil production, uh, pollution responses capability. Um, and this goes back to the point I made earlier about better coordination. I know that, that the agencies have done the very best at the moment uh, to respond given the emergencies we've had this year. But you're dealing with the Environment Department, the Port, the Environmental Agency as enforcement agencies, but then you also have the NGOs. So what, so what and, measures should be put in place? So, so we need a coordinate, an overarching strategy that brings all the stakeholders together where they define quite clearly what their role and bring people in. I mean, my understanding is that there was not significant coordination across the piece. I've heard that firsthand. And so we need to do that. But we also need to prevent. What would your strategy response. have been? So my strategy would have been, or our strategy would have been, to make sure that we minimise uh, the chances of the oil spills by actually introducing the latest best practice. That They're not in place. That's my understanding. <laughs> OK, um, this is totally untrue, I'm afraid to say. I mean, I know it firsthand. Uh, we You're satisfied have, with we, the response we, to, well, yeah, to the, well, this latest oil spill? I, I wish there hadn't been an oil spill, and clearly that's what we aim for, and I think the practices are good, and they get better all the time. But the response was extremely well-coordinated. There was absolutely constant uh, discussion and communication between the port, between the environment department and the NGOs and private agencies. It went very, very well considering what could have happened. Um, People were working around the clock. Um, I I think it's an insult to them and to the hard work that they've done for Daniela now with no on-the-ground experience of this. The fact of the matter is that the oil spill did happen and 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 this has had a devastating effect on our our ecosystem. But, but, But 
The, okay, in fact, on any consistent level, oh, it's terrible. The, the, oh, the response, the response aside, but, but perhaps the Gibraltar wants she to lead. Made a point, Mr. Gordes. made a point on NGOs, and I have asked her how much has she interacted with oh. NGOs in her career in Gibraltar, because that is you, critical, you and I'm afraid to, that... If we go you, back to, to the to... subject at hand, yeah. which okay. is the environment, which is something that affects us all, if Gibraltar wants to lead on environmental matters, surely it cannot afford accidents such as such as these that we we're experiencing. We don't want accidents such as this. Absolutely not, of course. So, so what know, do we do I, about I, look, it? I, I, I have saved the population of our green cormorants in Gibraltar through my life's work and I shudder to think that one of them might die like one died in my hands when I was only 17. Of course I'm going to uh, do everything I can to stop this happening and of course I will. But my teams are extremely well coordinated yes. because one of the things about being environment minister in Gibraltar is that you have to be a team player. You've got to be there on the ground. You have to be loyal to them and they have to be loyal to you. And I can tell you that the, the coordination of everybody engaged in environmental work in Gibraltar is second to none. And we can't have that unraveled now it's in the really future. It's really important Ms. to Tilbury. broaden the circle. I think what we have is a, is an, a, a small inner circle of, of communication. And I think what we need to do is have right. an <laughs> overarching strategy that provides leadership. <laughs> Let's let Ms. Tilbury have her say. Because this is one wrong. of the She's key aspects of words this. Into the air, you know, it's which one mean key nothing. thing. Let's allow Ms. Tilbury to have yeah, her course, say. It's one key thing to be an, ex an ecologist expert. It's another the key thing, providing leadership and overarching management of coordination. Of and that is clearly needed right. right across the piece, not just in this particular aspect, but right across the piece, because we okay. need to strengthen and continue to implement. There have okay. been some inroads made with implementation, again, not just with regards to the oil spillage and the marine, uh, the oil spillage and the marine environment, but right across the piece. We need to have more implementation. We need to actually build capability. We still have quite a few Topic okay, to get look, through look, in the next so 15 the minutes. I want, to, I want to talk. I would ask her. Um, no, I, know, ask I have not done that. I, I have not done that. Uh, I just said that I there is a lack of leadership. And talk to her teams and, that's a and lack ask them of who they think is the leader that can take Gibraltar's environment into the middle of the 21st I, I century. If I may move on to fishing now. Fishing, an important an topic. inner circle. What do you mean by an Mr. inner circle? Gordes, let's move on to fishing, an important uh, topic an in them. the community. Uh, Ms. Tilbury, there has been concern among fishermen mm. and divers that long commercial fishing nets Absolutely. are regularly being used in Gibraltar waters despite the fact they're illegal. Would you say current enforcement is effective or what would your party do to reduce cases such we as these? We are very clear on this one. Very clear. There has been a blatant disregard for our territorial boundaries and our laws. The laws of the seas cannot be uh, neglected in this way. And they've been pushed aside. You know, we must have enforcement. We cannot just enforce on the local fishermen, which is what's happening, right? We need this. Everybody knows what's happening with the Spanish netting in the east side. You can just go to the Caleta. So what would you do about it? So what measures enforce. would you introduce? We, we need to enforce. The You're saying that enforcement isn't happening at the moment. That's right. The laws are actually there. It's just the enforcement of it, you know. And, and we've just invested, what, £150,000 in this new Osprey I believe it's 140000 140, Thank you for, for, for that. Osprey. And, and where's the enforcement? I mean, I know it's being used a lot for research. And again, you know, the question is, should our Department of the Environment be focused more on implementation than research? That's a key question to be asking and leave the research to, to those who call business, who's called businesses research. But we need to make sure that we are managing our fish stock sustainably. We need to make sure that we are implementing and respecting our boundaries. It's really quite critical and that's just not happening. This is so dangerous. I mean, Daniela's policies would unravel 
the network that we have of marine protection, of environmental protection in Gibraltar, just hearing her, I mean, it's so frightening. Uh, remember that this, uh, Daniela, is of the party of the fishing agreement that allowed illegal fishing in Gibraltar with the government's blessing, and I genuinely fear that they the would agreement. come back to that, and that Daniela's influence is not big enough because it's shown in the uh, manifesto, uh, which is John. extremely weak on environment. Come on, 11 lines on climate change in, in, in a manifesto that Daniela Tilbury should have had John. involvement in. So she is not going to be able John, to sway the, the, as the elements of her party that are going to go back to a fishing settlement and a fishing agreement. I have that absolutely uh -huh. clear. Our new vessel, which I was criticising by, by her predecessor, Elliot Phillips, in uh, Parliament for not having enough vessels. We have got a vessel which already, on day one, when they were out at sea, ar they, arrested one fisherman and the other scarpered when they saw that we were there, meaning business. We will enforce the laws, we, but the police has to do their part and the police have uh, know their, that their in own Catalan Bay terms of engagement, evening, but of course we will enforce the laws. The fish, no, Spanish look, fishermen. I wrote the 1991 Nature Protection Act. I Ms. am Tilbury, the one behind all of this. Let's make sure that I'm you're both given equal airtime as best Sorry, as we can. Ms. Tilbury, your response. A lot more than Daniela. And, and so. we have a lot to squeeze in <laughs> in the next that's 11 minutes. That's a bit insulting. No, it's not. It's a fact. <laughs> Shall we That's move on fact. to climate change? Well, as I said, you're Let's move on to climate change. Great, the world has just experienced the hottest summer on record by a significant margin. Mm. In Gibraltar, we experienced the hottest July on record ever. Uh, what are your plans, Ms Tilbury, uh, to keep Gibraltar safe from the effects of climate change? Now, climate change is an area I know a little bit about. <laughs> Only 11 lines in the uh, manifesto. Uh, climate change has to be the most important, uh, well, the most significant threat uh, that we're facing in Gibraltar, uh, without a doubt. And, you know, we, we believe that the climate emergency is real and that we need urgent mitigation and adaptation. We need to walk the talk. That's critical. And that's well, not Gibraltar happening. currently has so, a target to reach net zero by 2045. Is this realistic, especially given the high volume of development, new hotels, the desire well, for increasing well, we, cruise liners, airline operators? It, how realistic is it that it we can reach that? It has to be realistic. It has to be So how would that be because, done? Because, let me just talk about the fact that we have a net zero delivery body, for example. Great, we applaud the concept. But what are they actually doing? We're not sure. Because there's a complete lack of communication and transparency as the independent uh, climate committee identified you know they meet they meet they meet regularly apparently but we don't know what they're doing we don't know what targets they're working towards and we don't know what actions they're taking they're not involving ngos they're not transparently communicating so one of the key things is to get our, our, our action our current actions in order and making sure that if we want to deliver those ambitious targets because let's admit that they're quite ambitious we need to start having the right mechanisms to deliver them we also need to look at um, investing in the right technology technology and we need to make sure that our own public buildings... Mr Cortes, perhaps you could uh, clarify what that net zero delivery body okay. well, has I, been doing. I, I believe it's met four that, times. Because the, the climate change strategies are our, our strategies and the targets are our targets. There's nothing in their manifesto. I, I repeat, 11 lines and no targets on climate change. But what so action is being taken in the terms of the net zero delivery body, delivery body? is chaired by the Deputy Chief Minister. I am a member. So are many different aspects of the uh, entities in uh, in the public sector and they are doing work 
in developing programs for reduction in carbon emissions in transport, in in in, uh, in all sorts of different uh, work in all government departments. And when you and say developing work, what does, what does that actually mean in terms of action? Uh, in terms work. of action, that everybody will have climate at the heart of their policies. And that's why we introduced the Environmental Governance Act, which will also make it a binding responsibility on all governments in the future to have all the government policies directed by our climate targets. Um, so absolutely, we, we, we are doing this. It is now a legal obligation. And all these reports of the net zero dis- delivery body will be published. I mean, you have the independent body that's been so critical of you. It, you no, know, no, and, the independent and body has let's not been... Let's allow Mr. to respond. It hasn't. It has. It no. talks about the fact, and I quote and unquote, that implementation is not going to be attained unless we have very yeah. swift movement yeah. from government. Okay. It says it quite clearly, and that there is a lack of costing of the actual strategies right. and plans. So we don't know what they're going to cost. But, but, we haven't seen the investment of this is, climate action. No, no, but, but the climate action plan that have. we that you it, committed to in your manifesto that would it, invest a million a year, yeah, yeah, and okay. they're saying that's a not enough, and okay. b they can't right. see how these are costed. So the pie in the sky. It's wonderful to have an independent climate change body. Pie in the sky. Absolutely wonderful to have. And I want them to hold governments to task. A government I am part of and any future government, they have to be held to task. And they will make us uh, uh, move uh, forward and, and, and make any changes. I can tell you that I have extremely good relationship with them. We are already... It's not about relationship, it's about implementation. This million pounds was hit by COVID, clearly. Let's the thing move you on to pollution. But our manifesto mm-hmm. commits two So that is a response to the climate... That is a response Walk to the Climate the Change Committee. A, a, a very brave thing for a government to do, to have a, a, a committee put in place that you it's know is going brave. to hold you to okay. I'm afraid, Ms. Tilbury, we're going to have to move on. It never was we need it's not brave. Pollution, oh, no. air quality, no. traffic, roads, all subjects mm-hmm. which affect everyone on a day-to-day basis. Uh, dealerships are being encouraged to provide vehicles with lower emissions. What plans would the GSD party put in place to develop the infrastructure needed yeah. for electronic vehicle charging points? Oh, absolutely. We, I mean, we have minuscule numbers of electric vehicles on the road, but how, it's not surprising the infrastructure is not there and I think the first thing that governments do not just lower taxes so that it's cheaper to buy an electrical vehicle you you know the consumer needs to have the security and safety to know that the infrastructure is there to be able to support um, their, their investment in an electric vehicle because after all they're quite still quite expensive machines at the end of the day so, so how would you would, entice would, people to we would put in place the infrastructure them. but we also see that this is a business opportunity and this is I think where some of our expertise comes in the environment ecology fantastic but you need to understand the financing behind a lot of the environmental work and here is where public and does the GSD understand the financing behind this kind of work exactly so what we're saying is the private public partnerships here are really quite critical because our local businesses will benefit quite significantly from us green transitioning and and from from the adoption of electric vehicles our local population will benefit from the cleaner air they will benefit from new technologies that, at the end of the day, will be more resilient, will be more up-to-date with... Mr Gordes, would you like to come into this? Because, because this is already happening. And, and once again, the GSD is just 
putting in their manifestos, saying in this debate things that we are already doing. The engagement of the private sector with business is tremendous. You only had to see the Nautilus Projects Awards that I presented just a few days ago. The huge involvement from the private sector. They are now leading, which is what they should be, in partnership with the government. I meet with them regularly, and that is already happening. In relation to electric vehicles, this is happening already. We are already developing the infrastructure. And, and I can tell you, th- these minuscule figures that, that Daniela has, has gone on about, because I think they put something in their manifesto, but what she has failed to see and what she has failed to, to, to record is that in the purchasing of new vehicles between 2022 and 2023, even though the numbers are minuscule. relatively small, 66% of new vehicles registered were hybrid and 22% were electric and only 12% were po- uh, petrol yes, or diesel. So we are already making but huge why is that? inroads But in why this. is that? Absolutely it's because they've stopped, they're stopping to produce cars which are but, diesel but and petrol and so the consumer has no choice. But it, is, but it is also, yes, the, the private sector responding and the government is, is working in partnership with no, them no, to be able to produce No, I, I don't think this. you can take the credit for that, John, course, I'm afraid. Well, this is one of those that you can't the, take I can the, share credit. the credit. No, no. Da- this, Daniela, is, this is the market pushing, Daniela, pushing consumers in a particular direction. And so what we find, what we find is that the infrastructure is not there. Mr. Gorthes, let's allow Ms. Tilbury to have her say. I think it's my task to turn Mr. Gorthes, Ms. Tilbury. So I don't think you can take the credit. I think this is the market pushing it in that direction. Right. We would have seen, if you wanted, to, if you wanted to claim some aspect of this, you would have seen a lot of the electric vehicles being being purchased. They're not because we don't have the infrastructure. I'm afraid we don't have much time left. We have my credit one is, final I question I credit each. with all the teams and all the NGOs who are working so hard in partnership with this. I'm a partnership. We have one person, final I'm question. Once again, we flipped a coin to determine who would sum up first. That be Miss Tilbury in this case. We're talking about our health, our future, this topic. It's something which affects us all and all future generations sure. to come. Will we ever see cross-party support to work together to make Gibraltar a greener place to live? Oh, it has to happen. That's my view. It has to happen. And we need that parliamentary committee that was promised Do you think today is an ago. example of that? Uh, that I, th- I, think, support. I think what you see is some contestation on, on the implementation of the issues. I think John and I, although we sound um, like quite <laughs> confrontational at the moment, I think we both have Gibraltar's best interest at heart and that needs to be recognised. And we are fighting for election. We are fighting for an opportunity to make a difference and I think that's really important. We have different ways of doing that. I would focus entirely on implementation. You know, I'll give the example of the sewage pl- treatment plant, you know, which has been promised for 12 years. We need to be able to deliver on it. We cannot wait Ms. anymore. Gortes. It's disgusting yeah, look, that look, we will never win that we're pumping Daniela raw sewage into the, the sea. We good, have to deal with the, that. Of course we do, but there we are can good be no more excuses. Have, there are good reasons which have been beyond mm. the control of the government that that hasn't happened yet, and I've explained it 101 times. I hope you've heard them and you're just playing on, on, <laughs> on, on that. But anyway. Um, 12 years. If, if, if we're finishing now, aren't Mr. Gortes, okay, will look, we ever see cross-party support uh, when it comes to making Gibraltar a greener more sustainable, more environmentally friendly I am friendly a team place. worker. Uh, whether Daniela is not, it's for her and teams she's worked with to, 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 to determine. But I am a team worker and I am willing to work with anybody for the improvement of Gibraltar's environment like I have been doing, not just for four years, not just for 12 years, but for the whole of my life. I get down on the ground, I have the practical experience and I can bring my team not leadership with experience. me. And, and uh, once again, Daniela is questioning my leadership. I have great support from the cabinet. I am able to sway them. Uh, I doubt 
from her, the manifesto that Daniela sadly has any influence whatsoever, uh, very, very little. So absolutely, we need everybody to work together. We're already working closely with NGOs. We're working with business. Government is leading on this. The, the, the GSD in the manifesto have shown that they I'm have very little idea. I'm afraid that ideas. is our time up. Okay. Thank you very much to both GSOP Liberal candidate John Gardes and to the GSD's Daniela Tilbury. Thanks for listening to those highlights from Gibraltar today. I'm Kelly M. Borge, the show's producer. We're live on Radio Gibraltar Monday to Friday from 1 to 2, getting behind the headlines. And you can catch up here whenever you like. Until next time, have a good one. GBC Podcasts. Local voices on demand.